Okay, I'm recording this video because sometimes when you're sharing your tweets and going through, there, there can be a real list of tweets. It's kind of hard to consolidate for people's view important information. So I had an exchange uh, with my friend Justin Hart uh, today. I wasn't going to I was going to make this video and not bring him up, but it, it turns out I kind of have to do that. And Justin's a friend. I've known him for a lot of years, and he became a very strong uh, DeSantis supporter because he was very upset with Trump's response to COVID. And by the way, it wasn't a perfect response, no matter what Trump wants to say. But again, Ron DeSantis is done. We're frankly moving towards uh, Donald Trump being the nominee, the Republican nominee. Uh, and you still have DeSantis supporters and others saying, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. Folks, I, it's just not going to be a disaster. But this tweet that I'm going to share with you in my exchange is designed to do two things. First of all, address this issue. I've done this in a video earlier. What I'm telling people, DeSantis supporters and everyone else, is it's time to rally around Donald Trump because what's at risk is that you have a Washington elite and an elite in the media who are determined to destroy Donald Trump utilizing things that if we don't win against them, particularly what's being done with prosecutions that are outrageous and what the media is doing and of course the background of all of our three-letter agencies attempting to shut down discussion on social media which is a real first amendment threat if we're not going to break through this wall now that ron DeSantis has not been successful and nikki haley's not likely to be successful very unlikely um you know i'm gonna leave she's still in the race so i'm, I'm gonna give her a chance to make her case but if we're not willing to get behind this train now, we will lose everything. And every one of these candidates that thought that they could beat Donald Trump, if they think that they were going to get anything less than Donald Trump is, I'm sorry. So you, you lost your bid, and now it's time to figure out where we go from here. So I want to transition to this. So uh, Justin Hart, uh, wrote this tweet. And what he said here is, if in the if on the very, very small chance Trump wins the White House, who will there be to rein him in? Imagine if Trump decides to run his own foreign policy from his true social feed. You can envision a moment where senior official is headed to a country for a vitally important meeting, and then Trump just decides to completely undermine him, tweeting out he is wasting time and the country cancels the meeting he took months to plan. That is, of course, a total not uh, a total hypothetical, and never happened during Trump's first term, not at all. Okay, Let, I'm going to be honest here. He caught me on something I had at the moment forgotten the Rex Tillerson incident that he's going to bring up, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm just going to give you my response because I think there's a lot of substance here that we need to be aware of. So. I responded, this is a hilarious post. Typical emotional response ignoring the facts. One, there is not a very small chance Trump gets elected. The polls in each of the key states say otherwise. That's absolutely the truth. Donald Trump, at the moment, is winning this election. There are no guarantees. I grant that. But right now, in all the key states, he's leading. Democrats are already talking about and working behind the scenes to consider whether to bring Michelle Obama in instead. And frankly, I, I, I'll make a case some other time. Michelle Obama has no chance. 
That's a different discussion and people will disagree with me, but I'm not going to make that point now. My second point is the foreign policy scenario given is probably false because we already have four years experience with Trump. He has one of the more stable and disciplined foreign policies of any president in our history. Okay, so Justin got me here because I didn't remember the Tillerson incident. So let me, he shared... Um, I can't remember what book this is in, but he talked about uh, Trump toyed with ways uh, to uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to read on Kelly. Oh, this is, I think, from, from John Kelly's book. Kelly was also left trying to manage the rapidly deteriorating relationship between the president and his secretary of state, while Trump... Uh, had not heard Rex Tillerson's effing moron comment after the disastrous meeting in the Pentagon tank. Neither man did much to hide growing contempt for the other. By the fall, they were barely on speaking terms. While Trump was threatening North Korea's rocket man, Tillerson was trying to talk uh, to talk with Kim Jong-un. He had been working back channels to set up a meeting and was already on the way there when, during a stop in China, his legs were cut out from under him via Twitter, I told Rex Tillerson, our wonderful Secretary of State, that he is wasting his time trying to negotiate with Little Rocket Man, Trump wrote. Save your energy, Rex. We'll do that. Uh, what has to be done. Okay, so here's the point. First of all, he got me. I had forgotten about this. But seriously, where is the harm here? Like, th what this is, is not a clash between the buffoonish, stupid Donald Trump and the brilliant, wonderful Rex Tillerson, who, by the way, had never served in government. Certainly, he was connected to government a lot when he was CEO of Exxon. You're dealing with government people, government contracts, all that kind of stuff. And you get a sense of what's going on, surely. But he was not a, a long-term uh, 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 State Department official who knows all the protocols and knows how to do everything right. He's a smart guy. And, and quite frankly, he probably, if he had stayed in there and this had not happened, he probably would have been a very good Secretary of State. Of course, Trump made a good decision. And so, but, but this is one thing that Donald Trump is actually very good at. And, and it possibly goes a little bit past protocol and necessity. But nonetheless, j just think about it for a second. Donald Trump is showing people that he is determined to deal with this situation. And frankly, and I'm sure that Tillerson was pissed off at it, uh, by putting this out there publicly, he gives Kim Jong-un the uh, belief that there is division amongst everybody. And again, you, you can argue with how appropriate it was, but this is what's really key about it. And this is why I want, this is the heart of why I wanted to share this. Donald Trump had one of the best foreign policy terms of any president in the United States. He is near the top somewhere. I, I, I wouldn't know precisely how to rank him. But when, when I responded to this thing that Justin sent, and I, I just had to lay out the facts. And here's the facts, folks. So this was my response. Uh, you know, um, oh, let me get to this. Uh, the results were real for Donald Trump, I will repeat, on the top of all presidencies. It's an objective fact. The results are numerous. One, peaceful relations started with North Korea. Notwithstanding the Tillerson incident, that ended up happening. And Tillerson was doing his job working back channels. That's what you do as Secretary of State. You try to work that out. Trump could have coordinated it more, and he's got his, you know... Uh, 
way of doing it. But but nonetheless, it's not like he's a, some dumb idiot. Donald Trump's not a dumb idiot. Secondly, the Abraham Accords. This was a key, pivotal policy win in the Middle East to get two Arab countries to sign peace accords with Israel at the same time that he was building a uh, embassy in Jerusalem. And you don't call that a foreign policy win. That was, everyone said that was going to be provocative and break everything down in the Middle East. Far from it. And I'll talk about another thing coming up. Three, no wars. Donald Trump had, did not take us to war at any time. There is a point of criticism on what he did in Syria, but you would not say that any of the other things and any uses of military force, particularly taking out Soleimani of Iran, you would not say that those were provocative incidences. In the case of Soleimani, we were provoked. And he took appropriate singular action rather than broad action and then brought it all back down where it needed to be. No wars. Four, Russia was kept at bay and a move to LNG from Russian natural gas began in Europe. That was a huge win. It was a huge foreign policy win. It provided potential stability. And right now, that's all falling apart. Joe Biden has totally destroyed whatever positive was there. And Russia was going to be a concern moving forward. No doubt about it. <laughs> but, but Trump's approach was right. China was at bay, number five. Number six, and, 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 and I'll, I'll talk about one aspect of that coming up. Number six, NATO countries increased their financial participation. That was a big win. NATO was totally brought out from its slumber. Trump was right to threaten to pull away from NATO. And by the way, there's a big argument whether we need NATO in these days or not. And, and people are going to push back at me. Go ahead. Leave your comments. I appreciate it. But the fact is that what we were doing with NATO up to that point was really absurd. We were It was totally in a Cold War footing, and we're not in the Cold War anymore. I mean, we've got some Cold War things that we're dealing with a little bit with China, but NATO's got nothing to do with that. That's that's a totally different theater of operations. And yes, it'll be an international thing because China's casting the net far and wide, but it's really a regional issue, a, a kind of a supra regional issue with China. And it has to be dealt with more geographically than anywhere else. And I'll get to that in a moment. NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg praised the U.S. president, quote, let me thank you for the leadership you show on the issue of defense spending. It is really having an impact because allies are now spending more on defense. <laughs> oh, no, Donald Trump, he's just all over the place. The guy can't keep things together. <laughs> anyway, uh, a lot of people don't know about this, though. Number seven, there was a Middle East regional alliance against ISIS, and Donald Trump's administration made that happen. That was a big win, and it held ISIS at bay for the entire Trump presidency. Number eight. Freedom of navigation operations in the South China Sea. See, Barack Obama had had a weak stance in the South China Sea, just only claiming the, the right to be in international waters type stuff, where China has been aggressively trying to control the South China Sea. This is a huge issue because the South China Sea, I think, has on the order of over a third of all world economic activity is going back and forth through the South China Sea. If China controls the South China Sea, as they are attempting to do, 
We've got major problems in international economy. And China's weak. Just a quick side note. I could do a whole thing on China. China's weak right now. They have economic problems. They are never going to, to admit it. They're never going to say it publicly. And a lot of people in foreign policy circles won't say it either. But the fact is, China's hurting economically. COVID did end up messing them up. They were already in a mess because they were doing a lot of fake economic activity. They've got whole cities built that have no one in them. It, it's, it's absurd. China has been uh, faking their numbers for a long time. So if they have the military capability to control the South China Sea when they don't have the economic right to do so, <laughs> then we've got a problem. And again, this a long South China Sea thing could be discussed. But uh, the, the last point I'll make on that is that the only economic control you have over any area is a positive force. We're out making certain that this is safe for everybody. And yes, it's kind of our territory and our area. This is the way the United States has been through almost all of our history when we've been a superpower. We never try to shut people down. We try to make things work well. China has no intention in the South China Sea of such a thing. They want to control it for themselves, and they will be willing to do far more than what the Houthis are doing uh, off the coast of Somalia in the Persian Gulf. You think that's bad? Just wait till a, a superpower, China, has the ability to, to do it. Number nine, uh, that it began to move the, uh, the ASEAN organization which China, during the Obama administration, had bullied itself into intimidating. And this is the, the Association of, of Asian Nations, just a, a broad group of people. Uh, China was asserting itself there. Donald Trump's administration changed that paradigm so that China did, wasn't bullying them anymore. This is after we dropped the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which I happen to agree, based upon the way it was going, that Donald Trump should have dropped, although I'm, I'm all for trade agreements and free trade. But they wanted to build another international organization that favored China. That was wrong. And the Asian countries were being bullied by China. This The, the major things that changed is that they started to ask for U.S. fuller cooperation in, in that situation, and they were building great, uh, greater uh, uh, trade with us, and they were speaking positively about Taiwan's right to self-determination. Big. And had Trump gotten reelected, we'd be even further down these paths. So these are just to name a few. The one thing that I point out here that was a foreign policy mistake, and I'm sure Donald Trump would try to, to uh, defend himself with this, but is the Hong Kong situation. Now, that was technically, from an international treaty perspective, a Great Britain-China thing because Great Britain controlled uh, Hong Kong until the agreement in 1999 to give 50 years for it to go back into China's hands, which was, I think, a really foolish move. And at the time, China, you know, th there, there was a whole international discussion about China coming into the world community. And if we uh, worked with them economically, they'd eventually embrace a free society, which never happened. It was the, the worst move ever. And in fact, we in the United States, we gave most favored nation status to China, which we should never have done unless they did actually make changes in their political structure. We didn't in enforce it. We didn't require it. 
and and they've been given advantages in the WTO. Boy, there's a long China thing, so I won't go too deeply into it. But that was Donald Trump's one blunder was Hong Kong. He should have taken an aggressive stand. Great Britain would have stood with him. There was discussion about having carrier groups near there to help intimidate against this effort. We can argue about that as well, too. But 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 uh, uh, Great Britain had a carrier in the area, too. We should never have allowed China to take over Hong Kong prematurely like they did. There was, uh, I believe, 20-plus more years on that agreement. They totally bypassed it. Donald Trump should have stood against them. That's one I'll give to him. But the, the, the thing that I, uh, the point I want to make here is this. We have a record of international success during the Trump administration that has not very often been paralleled in American history. We've had a whole lot of foreign policy blunders in our country's history. Of all the negatives that one can bring up about Donald Trump, this is one area where he excelled and should be given credit. This is a this this by itself, if he can duplicate this kind of effort by itself is reason enough to make Donald Trump president. Because right now, the world is blowing up. Ukraine is going crazy. They're going to lose, and it's going to be a much worse circumstance. And that was all Joe Biden's fault. We had the China balloon thing. All Joe Biden's fault, right? I mean, think about all these things that have been going on. The Afghanistan withdrawal. It's been a disaster. Disaster in foreign policy. And Joe Biden was at the head of that problem. Donald Trump excelled, even though John Kelly and Rex Tillerson in in their tell-our memoirs or the things that they talk about publicly want to make Donald Trump to be out of to out to be a buffoon. It's a lie. Donald Trump's personality is not fun. I get that. And there are things that I would change if I could, but I don't want to change the guy if he can do these kinds of things. And the reason that he's even became president is because people like John Kelly failed us for decades. And we've got to clean up that mess. So in conclusion, every one of you DeSantis supporters and you Nikki Haley supporters, you're going to have to do it as well. Um, You're going to need to come on board because if Donald Trump were to lose this election, we're going to lose our country. Or at least we're going to be very quickly down the road, if not immediately. I'm going to do some things on Brazil sometime soon. Brazil is the model for the negative results of not allowing the uh, election of someone that people have a love-hate relationship with. As as Victor Davis Hanson says, you know, he's the tragic hero. He's the guy you want to come in uh, when you need him. But then no one wants anything to do with him (laughs) afterwards. And it's sad. I don't think it should be that way, but it's kind of natural, just like in High Noon and other tragic uh, old Westerns. So that's my thing. I think uh, this is something for you to consider. I hope you, you found it useful.